Well, I'm so excited to be here. Um, my voice is a little shot, so please forgive me. Um, I also, I just want to give at this time Pastor Tim Miller some honor. Can we give him a hand clap of praise for what he does? I called him yesterday and I said, Pastor Tim, I'm just confirming that, uh, you know, we're going to be there tomorrow. And, and uh, he was like, well, this is the third confirmation within one week. So, yes, you're going to be there. I said, well, please forgive me. I said, I just wanted to make sure um, just to ask you if I was going to be able to preach or if you were doing service. And he said, man, I'm not going to be there. And he said, I want you to preach the word. He said, give my people a word. And I said, brother, I got you. So, my name's Ryan Brittingham. I'm one of the pastors at Dumbarva Teen Challenge. How many know about Teen Challenge? Wow. Those of you that don't know about Teen Challenge, it's a one-year in-house Christian-based recovery program for people who are struggling with drugs, alcohol, and life-controlling issues. Um, Like I said, it's 12 months. These men go through extensive Bible training, Bible uh, classes. I mean, 800 hours a year these men are in the Word of God. 800 hours a year, these men are in the, in the Word of God. How many know that there is a need for a, a, a teen challenge? There's a need for people to rise up to fight against this drug addiction. Come on now. There's been a 1,000 people last year. They haven't had, they don't have the statistics for this year yet, but last year, 2015, there was 1,000 overdoses due to heroin. 187 of them are are to the point of death, 187. That's, 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 two pe- that's, one, that's one person every two days. One person every two days dies from a heroin overdose. And God has put Teen Challenge right there on 3rd and North Street in Seaford, Delaware, as a beacon of light, which actually used to be a drug, drug city right there. I mean, that used to be the, the worst place that anybody could go, nothing but crime, but God put a beacon of light. Come on now, that's what God does in, in our lives. He, he just puts the light in the midst of darkness, and that's what who God is, and that's what he does, and I'm just so excited. I went through um, the, the, pro, the program in 2012. I'm actually a, a graduate. There's been um, 190 graduates in seven years. There's been an 80% success rate for the men who go through that year and complete the program, stay clean, and never go back to drugs and alcohol. 86%. Come on, give God glory for that. I went through the program 2012, um, graduated the the year program in 2013. Um, I came in there broken, hopeless, homeless, was living on the streets due to heroin and prescription pills, you couldn't take me away from that, but God snatched me out of it, picked me up from the gates of hell, brought me forth into his light, and now I sit in heavenly places with him, and I would never go back to my past. But yet, he brought me forth and put a call on my life to preach the gospel. After I graduated, I went into Bible college, um, did two years of Bible college, got my associate's degree in ministry. Quickly ended up getting married. Uh, have a little little boy. His name's Elijah Levi Brittingham. Uh, he's 16 months old, and that boy is my world. He's into everything, but he's my world. I love him to death. He's awesome. So that's what God's doing in my life. I want to bring a couple students up just to give them their testimonies about what God has done in their life and what he what they went through before they came in. 
and what God's going to do in their life. So, Jared, why don't you come on up? This is Jared. (laughs) Jared, why don't you go ahead and just tell them where you came from and what God's doing in your life now. All right, all right. Good morning. Um, God's good. His grace is sufficient. I struggle with... uh, the testimony thing, I'm kind of like Moses. I'd rather have Aaron talk for me, you know what I mean? I love you guys' sign about the basket case thing, so God's good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Pastor Tim Miller, love him. He's a huge effect. And Miss Jane, I don't know if she's here, but she's also awesome. So I already have a heart for your church. But let me tell you a little, little bit here um, about God's goodness and how he's using Teen Challenge. Um, I've been in church, you know, my whole life, and... Um, uh, was like an expert at being a plastic and fake Christian. Um, I don't want to go too much into my past because uh, what God's doing now is so important. But uh, my wife can tell you that I was a mess, and um, I would uh, I would shoot heroin and crystal meth before leading worship in my father's church. He's a pastor, and uh, my grandfather's a pastor. My uncle's a pastor, and. Um, I was uh, actively killing myself with condemnation. You know, the, the physical stuff is just a symptom of, of a deeper issue, and I'm learning that as well. Um, so getting away from the drugs, I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Teen Challenge is helping me. And then it's, it's like, oh, no, wait a second. I'm still a mess without the drugs. You know, God is, is forming and, and reshaping. And um, so the kind of atmosphere and, and opportunities that... Uh, Teen Challenge provides. Um, There's like uh, prayer groups that they do in private and and, um, things like that. And I came into Teen Challenge so condemned and ashamed of what I had thought, or not thought, but what I had done to my family's name, uh, the terrible father and uh, husband that I was actively living as. And I couldn't raise my hands during praise and worship. I couldn't really sing during praise and worship because I just felt like there's no way that I can stand here sober because your mind's thinking sober through the the drugs and the, and the haze. I could actively be a fake like that. But with that gone, I just felt like there's no way that God wants to hear my worship and out of my heart and all that. And um, so we were having prayer group one night and uh, brother uh, David Nelson is his name. He came and asked me if I I wanted prayer. What did I want prayer for? And I just, I said no. And his eyebrows kind of went up because, you you know, you ask somebody if they want prayer. Normally it's, yes, yes, please, please. And I said that I'm embarrassed to, to ask, you know, for what it is I think I need prayer for. And um, I just wanted God to be made real is what I ended up saying to him because he kept pressing. And he started to pray for me and it took me to my knees. And then it took me in the prone position fully bottled up like this, and I was just crying, and I was crawling to the edge of the room, and um, it was just a harsh moment, uh, you know, spiritually, because I felt like I was condemned. It's like the weight of God's glory drove me to the ground, and I was crying, and it's just, it's like Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the throne of God, and it was, it wasn't wow, it was woe is me. For I'm a sinner and a man of unclean lips, and I just felt that, that I was completely unworthy uh, to be before God. And as I was uh, sitting there and on the ground crying, slowly redemption started to happen, and this sob and this weeping that is just, 
the word I'm looking for. Like, I'm too cool for school. So to be crying in front of all these guys was just extremely humbling and um, embarrassing, you know. But I'm sitting there, and God's working, and that sobbing and weeping started to turn to laughter. I didn't know when it happened. It just started to happen. And when I stood up, I knew that God's grace had done something new, and I'm not ashamed to lift my hands to Jesus. I'm not ashamed to sing. And God is so good. I thank Teen Challenge and, and the gentlemen there and the people who are being used of God and being obedient because they are helping to restore me so that I can go be a father and uh, a husband and a son. And uh, I'm just so thankful. God's good. That's what God does. He breaks the chains and the shackles. Brandon, why don't you come on up? This is Brandon. Uh. My drummer. Come on, tell him a little bit about where you came from. Good morning, church. How you guys doing? I'm just glad to be here. Glad to have my parents here from New Jersey. They came down for the weekend. Man, just like Jared, I grew up in the church, grew up in a Presbyterian church. You know, my mother woke me up every Sunday, said, Son, we're going to church. Get your suit on. I made cornbread. It's time to go to church. And, um, yeah, so I went to church every Sunday, but my heart wasn't in it. Um, I sat in the front row, sat in the front pew, but my heart wasn't in it. I couldn't hear it. And that led me to live a rebellious life. You know, I thought I had the answers. I thought, you know, I knew the way to live. And once I got to high school, that's when I started using. And that started just to slowly escalate. You know, I didn't think it was a problem. But eventually, after a couple years, it became all that my life was surrounded with. And once I got to college, it was full-fledged, and I ended up dropping out of college. I came home, um, got in trouble with the law, and how many of us know that when we're in a situation like that, that's when we call upon God? And I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm asking God, like, please get me out of this jam, and I'll do anything. Um, about six months after that, I found myself in Teen Challenge. At first, I was like, wow, I don't think I could do the year. But I'm so grateful to God that I did it. And Teen Challenge was a vessel for me to come in and find a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just, you know, know about him or hear about him, but literally talk to him every day, put my life in his hands, and allow him to mold me and shape me into the man that he wants me to be. And since then, my family, my relationship with my family has been restored. My record's getting expunged. I'm going to have a clean record. I can go back. I can finish school. All these opportunities are only because of Jesus Christ. And his blessings is just, it's it's abundant. And I just, now I'm in a point where I just want to live a life serving him. There's no price that I could pay to uh, leave his will. I want to be in God's will. That's what my life needs to be. And I thank Teen Challenge for allowing that. Amen. Amen. many know that it's not just men that need this it's women too around where we're at on third and north street we see women every single day walking the streets prostituting themselves just over a month ago there was a young lady right around the corner from where we were that overdosed and died from heroin we have a women's center it is not finished yet it's under construction right now right here in bridgeville actually um, it's on, sitting on 90 acres of property, 90 acres. 
There's two residential buildings. Um, There's a chapel building and there's an office building. It will end up being able to hold 35 women and their children. Because the children suffer too. So God wants to mend the relationship with their children and with every aspect of their life, of, of who they've hurt in their past. But the ultimate thing is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because it's him and him alone who's going to change your life completely. We also have a thrift store, a mega thrift store. Anybody been there? Mega thrift store. Yeah, uh, it's right here on 13, right in Seaford. Um, I mean, that place is amazing. I mean, it's like walking into it's a Target. You got everything from furniture to electronics to clothes to I mean, anything you want, they got. They even have wedding dresses. And then Smith's Restaurant is supposedly to be open by the end of this month, hopefully, um, so you can get a bite to eat and shop at the same time. Amen. Hallelujah. I like to eat. That's why they call me full gospel preacher, because I like to eat a lot. So we have the Women's Center. We have the Mega Thrift Store. We also have a outreach program where the students in the program go out into the communities and different neighborhoods, knock on doors. It's a door-to-door ministry where they hand out brochures and they tell people about the program and they also give them a little bit about their testimony and what God has done in their life. So that way we can go out to the streets. What did Jesus say? Go out to all the world. Be disciples. Isn't that what your motto here is? To be disciples? To be what Jesus has called us to be, that's what we believe, that we can spread the word and let people know that there is hope. Just like God saved my life, he saved their lives. We have an intern here, his name's Bruce. We have Brad, who's on staff. We have a bunch of other guys here that God has just broke the chains, and God has just mended the relationships where nobody even wanted nothing to do with them. But when God steps in, he changes everything. It's not a 12-step program that we believe in 12 steps. We just believe simply that it's one step into the presence of God that can change your life forever. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for what he's doing at Team Challenge. Well, I'm excited to get into the Word of God. Are you excited to get into the Word of God this morning? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, the book of Psalms chapter 139, the book of Psalms. Please forgive me, like I said, my throat is just not cooperating this morning. I probably should have went to the doctor. How many here has been sick and been to the doctor already this year? Just nobody? Well, God bless you. I need y'all's healing. Speaking about a doctor, I want to read something to you that I came across the other day. It's the doctor who forgot. This is, what the, this is what this says here. It says, doctor to the patient. This is what he said. I have bad news and worse news. The patient said, so let's have it. The doctor said, the bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. The patient said, I can't imagine what could be worse than that. The doctor said, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> Some of you will get it. It's just too early in the morning. Some. You'll get it by the time you walk out of the door this morning. (laughs) I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, you can't escape. You can't escape. One of my biggest fears in life is being 
this is one of my fears. Maybe it's one of your fears. I don't know. But one of my fears is, is being trapped somewhere and not being able to escape. Being even behind a jail cell and not being able to get on the other side of them bars. Or yet, you're like me, even in traffic. That's why I'm so glad I'm a country boy. Because these us country people, amen, are saved and you city people are not saved at all. <laughs> city people are not saved, okay? I went to see my little sister. She graduated and completed um, to be a Maryland State Trooper. My little sister, she's 23 years old. That's my baby girl. Don't mess with her. Because pastor will be dropped off my name quick. No, <laughs> no but I went up there um, somewhere in, in Maryland. It was like two and a half hours away from here. And I mean, traffic was terrible. And I just was like, Lord, these people are riding on the shoulders trying to get around people. Mirrors are hanging off other people's cars. I mean, there's accidents. There's, there's, there's just so many road work. I'm just like want to hit every cone in road work area. Just let me get through this. I feel like I can't even. I'm telling you, I'm a country boy, and I ride the back roads to get where I'm going. It gets me there a lot faster than you city people. Just give me a helicopter or something. I don't want to drive through no traffic. I just feel like I can't escape. I start to get road rage. That's just, that's just who I am. But I want to read something to you, actually, in Psalms 139. Um, it was, it's a psalm of King David, and I'm going to read to you out of the Message Bible. And just because I've, I was reading it in the NIV is normally the translation I use, but I wanted to read it out of the Message because I read it, and it was more distinct than what um, King David was saying. So if you have your Bible... Psalms 139, this is what he says. He says, God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say. Before I start the first sentence, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, Lord, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'll find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. King David knew what it was like as he was writing this psalm after everything that he's been going through that there was nowhere he could go even when he just didn't even want, maybe was having some doubt one day or maybe going through a struggle, going through a battle or maybe even getting a spear thrown at him by King Saul and just wanted to escape from everything that was coming at him, even maybe getting away from God. He just wanted some time alone. But he knew that there was nowhere that he could run to be out of the will of God. To be out of the presence of God. I don't care if I can't escape somewhere else as long as I'm not being able to escape the presence of God because I always want to be in the presence of God. No matter where I go in my life, no matter what I do in my life, I never want to escape the presence of God. So he was telling, 
he was t- he's telling us here, he says, God, you know everything before I even say it. You know everything that I'm going to do. You're there. You're here. You're everywhere. In other words, he was saying, King David was saying, God, you know me so good. You know me so personally. And then he was saying, you know what, God? Not only do you know me personally, but even if I pitch the tent to the highest mountain, you're there. Even if I pitch the tent to the lowest valley, you're still there. He was not only saying, you know me personally, God, but you know me so precisely that no matter where I go in my life, you're always going to be there. No matter what struggle in my life, you're always going to be there. No matter what valley I go through in my life, you're always going to be there. Even though I feel like I'm struggling, God, you're still there. Even when we think God isn't working, guess what? He's always always working on your behalf and there's nothing that you can run to to get out of the presence of God because he is always, always going to be there in your life. Listen to this. When God wants to reach you, he can reach you. When God wants to find you, he can find you. When God wants to speak to you, he will speak to you. When God wants to get your attention, he will get your attention. When God wants to use you, he will use you. You can't go anywhere to escape the hand of God in your life. Run all you want, run all you can, but God is still always going to be there. He's always going to be beside you. But guess what? Just because God is always there, and the Bible says that his eyes are in every place looking upon the good and the evil, and he sees everything that you're doing, just because he knows what and when you're doing things doesn't mean that he's involved in your life. Should I say that again? Just because he knows what, And when you're doing everything that you do, doesn't mean that he's involved in your life. You have to involve him in every aspect of your life because he's a gentleman. He wants you to wake up every morning and meet him face to face. That's what we teach these men in this program. That's why it's a year long and that's why it's an 86% success rate. Because we get these men to get involved in worship, involved in prayer, involved and let God get into their lives and transform them by the renewing of their mind daily. Jesus said to pick up your cross daily. This isn't just a Sunday thing where you just come and worship and then Monday you just get to do what you want. No, God says, I want you to come meet me every single day, every single morning, every single evening. The Bible says in in the book of Daniel that Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day. God wants to get you involved in everything that's going on. That way if he can get you involved, that you'll never be out of the will of God. You'll always be pursuing after what God has called you to do. And there will be nothing in, in life that, that the enemy can shake you. As long as you involve God in every aspect of your life. There's three things that you can't escape from. Three things. One is time. Second is death. And third is eternity. Those are three things you would never be able to escape from. You'll never be able to. Listen to what Benjamin Mays, one of the old Baptist preachers in the 1920s, he's gone home to be with the Lord. This is what he had to say about time. He says, I have only just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. 
Just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. You can't escape it. When you pass on from this life to eternity, there's nothing you can do. You're either going to be destined to one place or the other. And let me tell you, both are real. Heaven is, heaven is real. Hell is real. Hell is hot. And hell is ready for you. And you cannot get a glass of water in hell, let me tell you. And talking about time, this is the average male. This is what he lives. Seconds live for the average male. It's 2 billion. 270,592,000 seconds. The average male lives to be 72 years old. Minutes live for the average male is 37,843,200 minutes. Hours live for the average male is 630,720 hours. Days live for the average male is 26,280 Days, weeks lived for the average male is 3,744. When you look at it from that perspective, you know that time is very short, but eternity will last forever. And I'm telling you, time, death, and eternity, you will never be able to escape. You never will. You can't escape it. And I like it because King David said, if I pitch myself to the highest point, God, you're still there. Even if I pitch to the lowest point, guess what? The, the deepest sea is at the Mariana Trench that is off the coast of the Philippines and Pacific Ocean. It's the deepest point in Earth's oceans. The bottom there is 36,201 feet below sea level. To get to the center of the Earth is just 40,000 feet. If you were to pitch a tent on the moon, it takes 238,900 miles to get to the moon. But guess what? It don't matter if you pitch yourself in the Mariana Trench. It don't matter if you pitch yourself on the moon. Guess what? You still will never be able to escape the presence of God in your life. He will always be there. I think it's amazing to me that measuring deep is a shorter distance than being able to measure above because I believe what God is saying is that I got so much for you that I want to take you from glory to glory and I want to take you higher and higher no matter what comes in your life. I just want to do so much for you and my expansion of my glory for your promise is amazing. I think it's amazing that you can only measure, you can measure way more higher than you can measure deeper. Because God is only saying, I never intended for you to go low. I've always intended for you to go high. And that's what happens with these men in these programs. They come in so broken, so hurting, so discarded, so hopeless and helpless that God teaches them, look, I never wanted anybody to perish. Look, your adversary might have been seeking you to devour you, but guess what? Jesus says, I'm your advocate. I'm going to fight on your behalf. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, guess what? I'm only going to take you higher. The devil only wanted to kick you deeper and stomp you deeper. But yet, when you were sitting on the side of the ditch, broken and hurting, I picked you up out of the pit that you were in, and I brought you to the end, just like he said in the book of Matthew. And he said, listen, I pour in the oil and the wine, and I bandage your wounds. That's exactly what Teen Challenge is. We bring these men in here and we let them know that there is hope. 
but the only hope that they can have is in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to talk to you about two of the least talked disciples in the Bible. Can we do that? If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. John chapter 1, verse 43. This is what the Bible says. The next day, Jesus decided. These are two disciples that were never able to escape the presence of Jesus or what he's called them to do. Two disciples, the least talked about disciples. You don't hear about Philip and Nathaniel. Who, who, you always hear about uh, Peter, John. Who, who, who wants to talk about Philip and Nathaniel? Well, guess what? Just because we may not want to be the talk about them, Jesus wants to talk about them. This is what the Bible says. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And I find it interesting that in the, in the beginning of what I wrote is that Jesus, in the midst of, he's not even stepped into his ministry yet. He's just looking and he's finding some people that would just come alongside of him to, 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 so he can pour into them so that way they can be disciples and be brought forth into the world and, and tell them about Jesus. And I find it interesting that, Jesus, that the, the Bible says that Jesus finds Philip. Let me tell you something. You don't find Jesus first. He finds you. And I also think it's interesting that he finds Philip, and then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel, and then all of a sudden Nathaniel says, What good can come from Nazareth? But Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip even called you. I find it so interesting that he finds Philip and he sees Nathaniel before he was even called. Because that's what God does in our lives. He first finds us and he always sees what we're going through no matter what in our life. And no matter what struggle we face, he always sees everything that we're ever going through. He finds us. He sees us. Not only is he looking just to use somebody, but he's looking to use somebody that will unite with him to go out to the world and find people who will go out there 
and, and preach the gospel and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why it's a time in these last days that we need to rise up and start being the church. That's why we see every community falling apart and every neighborhood falling apart. That's because the church hasn't rose up. When is the church going to rise up? We're letting the enemy kick us in the head. But yet, we claim we're Christians. We claim we're Christians. Not only does God always know about our present situation, but he knows about our future outcomes. He knew where Philip was, and he already saw where Nathaniel was. He already knows where to find you when you try to go missing, and he always sees you where you try to go and leave him. That's just who Jesus is. You can't escape the fact of who he is. And I find it interesting. Also in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, this is what it said about about Nathaniel. After he was called into the ministry with Jesus, after he called him to be one of his disciples, and after at first he was like, what good could ever come from, from Nazareth? This is what the Fox's Book of Martyrs says about Nathaniel, what happened to him after, because you can't find Nathaniel and Philip anywhere else in Scripture, only that he was at the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. And this is what it said about him. Nathaniel preached in several countries and having translated the gospel of Matthew into the language of India. He propagated in that country. He was at length cruelly beaten and then crucified by the impatient idolaters. Philip, he was born in Bethsaida and Galilee and was first called by the name of disciple. He labored diligently in Upper Asia and suffered martyrdom. And he was scourged, thrown in prison, and afterwards crucified. You know, when God first finds you and he always sees what you're going through, look, you can't ever escape the presence and the goodness of God. You can try to run, but once you've tasted and seen that God is good, I'm here to tell somebody, I don't know about you, but every single day I hunger and I thirst after his righteousness because I know if I hunger and thirst after him, I shall be filled from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. You know, that hunger and that scripture in the Greek actually means pinching toil. Hunger means pinching toil. And as I was searching, I said, God, what, what does that mean? And God was, and I was, I was like, God, I've never been so hungry that, you know, physically that my stomach felt like it was pinching. And then I started thinking about, like, people in, like, Africa and, and all these uh, third world countries and stuff like that that are struggling just to have food. And then he, and this is what he spoke to me. He said, it's not that you're hungry physically. He said, every time you get into my presence, you need to be that hungry that I will feed you and give you everything that you ever need. That's how hungry and thirsty we need to be after Jesus Christ. That it doesn't matter what we go through in life, that if you just step into the presence of God, He will give you a rhema word when you need it. He will feed your spirit when you need it. He will give you the right word in every struggle and every battle that you're facing. This is what... I've been reading the biography of Oswald Chambers, the great devotional writer, and... He was writing a letter to a girl that he was dating at the time. Her name was Chrissy. And this is what he said to her about the calling that he just could not escape in his life. This is what he said. It is the almighty love of God that constrains me. And in the midst of a keen consciousness of complete unworthiness, my soul cries out within me. 
Here am I, send me by the grace of God. When the way is clear, I will go. Obstruct who may, laugh who will, scoff who can. It is Christ who was crucified and who rose again. And it is God who suffered so inconceivably to redeem man who bids me go. He was fighting because he was also an artist at the time. And he wanted to pursue after what he wanted to. But God was calling him into ministry. And he said, you know what? You can laugh who can, scoff who can. But I know it was Jesus Christ and him and him alone that died on the cross that saved me and called me into my purpose and my promise in life. And that's what you got to do. Just wake up every morning, find out what's your passion, what's your purpose, what's your calling, and be persistent at what God has called you to be. And don't worry about doing what the world tells you to do. Don't worry about it. Listen to this. I would rather not escape the hand of God than to go to hell and not to be able to escape at all. I would rather not escape the hand of God than to go to hell and not be able to escape at all. Talking about being in the hand of God, I came across this, I guess you could say poem, if you would. It's not necessarily rhyming, but it it all depends on whose hands it's in. I don't know about you, but I always want to be in the hands of God. I never want to be in the hand of the enemy. And this is what it said. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. It, depend, it depends on whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hand is worth about $6. A baseball in Mark McGuire's hands is worth about $19 million. It depends on whose hand it's in. A tennis racket is useless in my hands. A tennis racket in in Pete Sampras' hands is a Wimbledon championship. It depends on whose hand it's in. A rod in my hands will keep away a wild animal. A rod in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. It depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. A slingshot in King David's hand is a mighty weapon. It depends on whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands. It depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Christ Jesus' hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends on whose hands it's in. It depends on whose hand it's in. You can't escape it. Look, God knows, He sees everything that you're going through. But just because He sees and knows, hears, doesn't mean He's involved in your life. I think it's time this morning that Maybe if God isn't involved in your daily life, maybe he's just a Sunday God where I want you to be involved on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I just kind of want to do my thing, God, and leave me alone until Sunday, and then I'll worship you. But you got to remember this, that it is Jesus Christ who breathed breath into your lungs that made it able for you to wake up, breathe, and move, and have your being every single day of life. 
So let's give honor to him. Let's stand to our feet. As the praise man comes, I want to take this opportunity in this moment. With every eye closed and every head bowed, nobody looking around. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in the enemy's hand and you can't escape. But guess what? You can't escape that this morning. And allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. And allow him to heal your broken heart, heal your wounds, heal your past. Heal everything that you've ever gone through in life. You may be here this morning and that you feel like you're not even in the hands of God. And you just want to run into his arms this morning. You just feel like there's somebody on your heart that you maybe even need to pray for. And it just can't escape you. God is telling you to pray for that person. Or maybe it's you that needs prayer. But I want to give the opportunity this morning. With every eye closed and every head bowed, nobody looking around. If you are here this morning and Jesus is not Lord and King of your life, listen, I would rather not escape the hand of God than to go to hell and not be able to escape at all. If you're here this morning, you want to make Jesus Christ your Savior, your Lord, your Master, your Redeemer. He says, anybody who calls on my name shall be saved. I'm not going to call you down front to embarrass you and to make you say a sinner's prayer. I just want you to simply, just right where you are, with nobody looking around, just slip your hand up if you want Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life this morning. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel like if you raise your hand that people are going to talk about you because they thought you were saved. No. The greatest thing that the enemy's going to hit you with when you walk out of, the door, out of the door after you give your heart to the Lord is that that wasn't real. That was not real. You didn't just give your heart to the Lord. So listen, I want to extend the invitation one more time. Because once you walk out of that door, you're stepping right into the lion's den. And if you're not careful, every distraction, every wave tossed your direction will cause you to go further and further and further away from the hand of God in your life so if that's you this morning and you want to allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life I just want you again to just raise your hand this morning just raise your hand amen amen don't be afraid don't be ashamed allow God to control command convict challenge and correct your life Hallelujah. If that's you this morning, I want everybody to repeat after me. Everybody. 
Heavenly Father, I acknowledge you more who you say you are. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, that came to the earth and shed his blood for me. I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I ask that Jesus, that you will be Lord of my life. Amen. Why don't you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? I also want still here and you want to be prayed for, this altar is open. Listen, don't be afraid. We here at Teen Challenge, I want to pray for you. If there's anything you're going through, you need a healing, you're battling with anything, I'm here. I want to pray. As the praise band sings, this altar is open. Please don't hesitate and don't miss your blessing this morning if you walk out of them doors. thank you guys for allowing us to be here it was an awesome time in the presence of God please don't leave without missing your blessing thank you holiness holiness is what I long for holiness is what I need holiness holiness what you want from me.